Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast with your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast for vet nurses where we tell our story. I'm your host, Kat Robinson. Vet nursing is definitely not an easy job. It can be physically, mentally and emotionally demanding. And yet, for most of us, we absolutely love it. We're passionate about what we do. So, when it comes to vet nurses, who are we? How do we achieve greatness in our work? What brings us together as a group and what sets us apart from other people? Radio Vet Nurse is our way to start a dialogue around these questions and to create a space where we can tell our story. Each episode, you'll hear from a different vet nurse about their personal experiences in life and in vet nursing. In this episode, you'll hear from a British vet nurse, Sarah, who came to Locum in Australia and stayed for good. After working as a head nurse in a busy hospital for years, Sarah made the transition to working as a rep for derm care, and she's never looked back. Sarah is a happy, upbeat person who is highly intelligent and incredibly funny. She has a razor-sharp wit that I thoroughly enjoy. I'm not going to lie, I nearly did my snort laugh in this interview. I'm really glad I heard Sarah's story of England to Australia and vet nurse to rep and everything in between. I think you'll like it too. Welcome to Radio Vet Nurse. Sarah, thank you for joining me this afternoon. You are welcome. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me to jump, come along. Yes, my pleasure. So Sarah is um, is a rep working with Derm Care and she comes up my way every now and again. And of course, I was really keen to get her on the show. And so she's been kind enough to come and visit me at home this afternoon. And we're going to sit down and have a bit of a chat. And my first question, I know we've touched on because we're both podcast nuts, but um, do you listen to podcasts? And if yes, what are some of your favorites? Um, yes, I've recently indulged in some podcasts because I do a lot of driving for my job. Um, and I do like some dark podcasts particularly. Um, I've listened to Serial um, and I also enjoy Accused as well. And I'm currently listening to um, Somebody Knows Something. So they're all very dark um, based on cold case murderers. <laughs> <laughs> And then you like get out of the car and be like, hi, I'm Sarah. Um, Have you seen the latest um, flyer for the competition we're running for the shampoo? That's exactly it. Yes, I have to um, switch on the smile. (laughs) (laughs) Little do they know you're emerging from like this dark cloud in the car of like, he did it. It's the husband. There's a lot of yelling at the car. (laughs) I should be a detective, really. Definitely. And do you listen to them on the flights as well? Um, tend to watch Netflix on the flights yeah, okay, um, cool. and watch murdering things on Netflix as well. So <laughs> have a very um, happy mind at the moment. Yeah. I think a lot of people are really into the genre because I know when I'm flicking through what podcasts and Netflix shows there are, there's a lot of that genre. I think there's just some sort of morbid fascination. <laughs> exactly that. Um, particularly The Staircase recently was a great one. On um, Netflix? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that out too. <laughs> Oh dear. And it just doesn't fit with your sunny disposition. You really don't look like you. <laughs> I know my partner seems to be getting more and more worried the more I'm listening yeah. to the podcast. Yeah. And that little shrine you've made is a little <laughs> bit unsettling as well. I can assure you I'm not going to be a murderer <laughs> at any point. <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right. Now, if you can just um, tell us, Sarah, where are you from and where do you currently live? Yep. So I'm originally from the UK, um, East Sussex, a little town called Eastbourne. 
um, and I moved to Australia about eight years ago and we live in Annerley, just south of Brisbane. Um, so yes, started off actually in the Gold Coast yeah. um, and then ended up in Brisbane and then travelled around Australia working as a vet nurse as well. Okay, yeah. And how did you get your foot in the door with vet nursing? So um, have always had animals around me growing up. Um, pretty much the animals came before the children. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum would let the dog sit on the couch before um, me or my brother. Um, so I always had a keen interest in animals, but for me, I actually was going to be a PE teacher. So I did some A-levels in England um, and then decided children aren't really that nice. Um, <laughs> not all children, just some. Um, and then saw an advert for vet nursing and just thought that has my name on it. So went for the job and I, I luckily I got it and haven't looked back since really. How old were you? I was 17. Okay. And then you did your studies through... Yes. the position? Yeah. yeah. So it was an apprenticeship. So yeah. um, worked in clinic for a couple of years and then started my studies. Oh, that's excellent. And then when you first moved to Australia, you were locoming in clinics? Yes. So yeah. I had actually worked with um, who was my boss in England. He mm-hmm. was a locum vet, him and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough that they offered me a position um, nursing in Beanley. Mm-hmm. So came and worked there for six months and then did some more locum work around Brisbane. Excellent. And then when did you make the transition into being a rep? Um, So that would have been about four years ago now. And you're happy with the change? Yes, it it was a very big change. Yeah. um, And it was quite unsettling to begin with because I had nursed for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But um, I absolutely love my job. It's it's a great role and I get to visit great clinics all over Australia. Do you do work in the lab and that sort of thing now? Do you do any sort of hands-on nursing? Um, occasionally we, at our head office at Slacks Creek at Derm Care, we have a clinic, Mm -hmm. um, and every now and then if our nurse is busy, then I'll step up and do some nursing as well. Um, but not generally as my role. No. And I know one time you came to visit us in, at ReadyVet, you had been working as well at the 24 hour emergency hospital and it was a particularly hot summer and you were like the overheating pugs I yes. can't do any more of them <laughs> yes so um, I was doing some emergency nursing as yeah. well as working at derm care just because I, I wanted to still use my nursing skills and um, yes it was a very much an experience of a lot of hypothermic dogs coming mm. in on hot days particularly your brachycephalics mm-hmm. um, which was challenging mm. but um, it was really good doing the emergency work to keep my foot in the door as well yeah yeah, I think um, Derm Care would be a great company to be working as a rep for, and I, I know that we're always happy to see you come and visit. Oh, so thank you. Yeah, Derm, Derm Care are fantastic, and yeah. it's mainly because we're all on the same page and we want the best outcome for the patient. Yeah. So it's kind of shared values and morals there. So when you are working as a vet nurse, and and when you're working as a rep, um, what's your role and what are you doing from day to day? So I guess when you're working as a vet nurse, would be more looking back at your previous positions and... Yes. So when I was vet nursing, I was head nurse of a hospital. So my daily routines um, would be active nursing, depending on the shift role that I put myself on, but also managing um, around 12 to 13 nurses as well. So um, structuring the day, um, making sure everything was running correctly possibly surgery duties or hospital duties, um, and then making sure the day closed down properly and also helping our new grad vets as well. Mm, gosh, that's huge. It, it, it was very big. Mm. Um, it was a great experience, but um, for me, I allowed myself to burn out. Mm. So, yes. Mm. And is that when you were working when you first came to Australia in, or is that when you were 
back in the UK. So that was when I was working in Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And that was a six-month position? So it? originally I worked for six months yeah. at that clinic mm-hmm. and then I did some locum work. Yeah. And then I went back to England for yeah. five months and worked for my old boss in England yeah. who I originally qualified with. Yeah. And then I was sponsored to okay. work at a hospital. So that's when I was at the hospital. And where did the burnout happen? Um, the burnout happened probably three and a half years in of managing mm-hmm. um, and mainly because I tried to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. Delegation is yes, oh, is the key. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Don't try and be the hero. Did you know you were burning out? Um, at the time, probably not. Mm-hmm. But looking back, definitely. Mm-hmm. And how did you sort of recover that? Uh, I am um, so... I left my role um, and I took some time just to invest in myself Mm -hmm. and then um, began working at Dermcare Mm. and just learning how to manage myself a bit better. Mm. It's so, it's so difficult. And and I know what you mean with delegation, because I thought that I was delegating and managing ReadyVet until I had my son and I actually really had to step away. And then I, and I still hadn't delegated even 50% of my role and I still thought I would be able to do all of these things and then when I had him I had to actually delegate and be like can you do this can you do that can, no I don't need to check that you know you can sign off on that and then I was like ah, oh, that's delegation and you know what everything's still working and nothing's fallen over and I don't have to hold up every you know everything like things can work without me and I think that that's a difficult lesson to learn yes I wish I had learned that lesson a lot earlier on yeah purely because I had amazing nurses Mm -hmm. um and they could have easily done the jobs that they deserved to be to be given yeah so I just broke myself um unnecessarily yeah it's hard isn't it yes Mm. I think it's like just a a personality thing sometimes you're like and um, being a control freak (laughs) yeah yeah that's right and things have to be done exactly this way to be okay and then you see it done by someone else and you're like oh or you could do that and yeah (laughs) it works exactly that and um yeah, big lessons learned, but um, mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for the time that I had because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have learned the lessons otherwise. Yeah, I think it's it's, and I know you and I have talked about this before. I just think it's so common, unfortunately, with with vet nurses, and and we know with vets it's highly publicised with vets, but I think with vet nurses too, the burnout is um, all too yes, common. it's all too yeah, all too mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it we just need to be able to trust um the staff that we have around us Mm -hmm. um, and then pull on everyone's skills and their strengths um, Mm -hmm. and just help each other along. Yes. And and empower. Yes. And speak up when it's too much. Yes. Mm. And um, not, not see it as failure. Yeah. Just um, leaning on the people around you and getting the best outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hear you. So what is the best part of your job? So the best part of my job by far is um, getting to visit my vet clinics and see big smiling faces and puppies and kittens in the waiting room. Um, I I really love visiting my clinics because the people that I'm visiting share the same passion as me. Yeah. Um, We all want the best outcome for the patient. Yeah. And we want the clients to feel at ease with their animals being in the clinic. Yes. So for me, I'm getting to see people in clinic and Mm. seeing them do what they do best Mm. is what I enjoy most about my job. And I think that that's one of the reasons that like you're one of my favorite reps is because you are a vet nurse and some of the reps that come there, they've been in sales for years or they've been in um, working for pharmaceutical or drug companies for years, but they're not a vet nurse. And so, you know, you're able to come in and be like, oh, what are you seeing heaps of at the moment? Yes. Or, you know, are you seeing many ticks or, you know, yeah, how, I, do you, how do you have cesareans or yeah. loads of questions, yeah. which, um, because I am genuinely interested in how your day is going and what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, 
and I always like to think that I can to a degree read a clinic so if you're busy and you know yes. you're flat out obviously yeah. the priority is definitely treating the animals yeah and at derm care we completely share that within yeah. our team um so I like to think that I don't press people for time mm. when they don't have the time mm. I know and I've definitely noticed that with you too and Thank you. yes and we've had reps that have you know we've essentially fallen out with because they're sort of at the front counter with you know three Demanding. three deep behind them and you're like this is not the best time like <laughs> yes I think it's definitely an advantage and um, being yeah. from the industry mm. um, and being able to find that common ground with everybody that I'm talking to mm-hmm. um, and just seeing how they're going with their clinics and then seeing them because um, I've been with Derm Care for four years seeing how the clinics develop mm-hmm. and how you know training nurses mm. um, are developing as people and mm. their skill set and how that some of them are very excited to tell me that they've seen a cesarean yeah. or things like that. I really enjoy those aspects of my job. What is your routine when you wake up in the morning and how do you like to set yourself up for a good day? So on a day that you're you know, feeling great when you've come to work because you've nailed all of that morning stuff, what does that yeah. look like? Um, so I'm definitely a morning person, mm-hmm. which drives some people up the wall. But um, I like to get up quite early, so around 5 or 5.30. Um, and I take myself out for a run or I do some form of exercise um, and then usually have a coffee with friends, which is absolutely perfect for me. Um, I feel like I get some of my own time. Um, I get to see the sun come up, which is just amazing. Um, and then I'm ready to kick the day. So you've obviously got friends who are also morning people, if you guys can catch up before work. <laughs> we, we run first so they can oh, wake okay. up a bit more and okay. then we go for coffee. But, but yes, I have, you have a lot of active friends. Yeah, that's great. Yes, it that's, is. That's really good. And do you do you have any other sort of routines at home? Like do you eat the same thing or do you? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. So I always have my muesli yeah. with um, yogurt, which people laugh at how I pronounce, but I am England, <laughs> English. Um, and I'll have some fruit on that yogurt and a cup of tea and probably mm-hmm. a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am hot to trot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like an excellent morning. Yeah. I could only dream of being that fit <laughs> and healthy and active and out of the house. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're falling asleep by about six o'clock at night and in bed yeah. by eight. But yeah. I am um, just really enjoy the mornings. It yeah. just gets me into a positive mindset yeah. and ready for the day. Seeing the sun come up really does something for you. Like there's some part of the brain that just gets set, I think. Yeah, I think it just um, it makes you feel grateful to mm. be alive mm-hmm. um, and to be out doing mm. the things you're doing and the lifestyle and the choices you made. Yes. Rather than sort of think about the things you don't have, you think about what you do have mm. um, and then it creates a real positive energy for the day. And no doubt you're also pumped full of endorphins while all yes. of this is happening. And so coffee. Just, and coffee. <laughs> You're like, this is the best day ever. Yes. Yeah, I am um, very upbeat. Sometimes people get annoyed by by how upbeat I can be, but I I just like to, I'm a happy person. It's a great way to be. And aside from the the running every day, what weekly or daily habit makes your life better? Um, So spending time with my cat. Yes. Um, He's not a particularly friendly cat. Mm -hmm. So the moments that we do have when he's nice um, I really love, <laughs> which are very far and few in between, but they do happen. So spending time with the fonts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also go horse riding once a week, mm-hmm. which um, I absolutely love. It reminds me of being eight years old every time mm. I go. So. Did you ride a lot in the UK? Yes. Yeah. So I actually had um, my own pony in the UK yep. um, and got to spend a lot of time with him when I wasn't nursing. Well, I was training as well, so time was limited. But when I did, I could, I would be at the stables. Yeah. Um. So once a week is a bit less, but um, I'm still very lucky that I get to go. It's great, and it's hard to do when you live in the city. Like you really have to be committed to find somewhere that you can go and 
Yes, definitely. Make it happen. Where in Brisbane again are you are you doing this? Where are the stables at? So the stables are at Mount Cotton. Okay. So they're um, near Capalaba. Yeah. But I've been going there for quite a long period of time and it's lovely because you get to know the people and mm. the horses. Yeah. And they really do look after the horses, which yeah. um, makes me feel better about going there. Yeah. And you've told me about the fawns before. Like I've heard <laughs> that your your woes and your concerns about going on holidays because he'll look after the fawns because <laughs> he's got such a reputation. Yes. Is he quite evil to everyone or...? <laughs> Um, yes, everybody he doesn't know, he is very likely to um, attack you slightly. Yes, yes. Um, he, he can be very loving to myself and my partner. Yeah. Um, and most of the time he probably is, jokes aside. Yeah. But he gets particularly jealous and possessive of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm owned by a cat. Um, so if we have people over, we do have to close him away because, because he'll um, hunt them up in the house and scratch them. <laughs> with his big dilated pupils and his hair on end oh so he, he, yes he's a handful and we've we've tried many things drugs oh. outside time but he um I, I don't doubt he's got better but he still is a challenge it's so fun. <laughs> i know a cat that i rescued from work yeah. who was meant to be this little delight and yeah. he is very challenging yeah it's hard being the vet nurse having like the terrible animal. It, it, it really is because yeah. you try every option you can imagine and you mm. speak to so many different people. Yeah. Um, but half the time I wonder if it's because I'm so worried about him yeah. that I'm causing him to be anxious. So <laughs> yes, look, there's many, many options to move forward with, with yeah. the fonts. At least, you know, you know, with any cat, but particularly with a cat that can be a little bit, you know, difficult when they are nice to you. It's a real compliment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I get lots of pictures, so there's evidence. So I can show people that he's actually a friendly cat sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> particularly selfies of us both. Yeah, yeah, good. But he is, he, I love spending time with him. Yeah. He's, he's my priority. Yeah, so. that's great. And um, do you have any strange habits or superstitions? Um, I am very OCD. Things mm-hmm. need to be um, straight, not mm-hmm. diagonal on the table. <laughs> And the house has to be clean a yeah. lot of the time. So yeah. um, I'd say they're my weird habits. Mm. Uh, actually, another weird habit I do have, which I like to eat salt, which is quite strange. Just but salt or salt on things? Don't know. Just like salt on its own when I'm preparing <gasps> food. I <laughs> don't know why I've just submitted this habit <laughs> out loud, but it's really quite delicious. I don't recommend it for health reasons. But <laughs> Are we talking like licking a bit off your finger or like... <laughs> just shoveling <laughs> no so um when i have the salt shaker i'll shake it into my hand and lick it off my hand <laughs> for some reason I, I like to make the excuses because i do a lot of running so therefore i sweat so i must need more salt yeah. but i yeah i'm not too sure about that one but i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> i mean i eat a lot of salt i love m- most of my favorite foods are just vessels for salt but i draw the line at just <laughs> Licking it off. I try and do it when no one's looking because I get in trouble with my partner. Is he the only one that's picked up on this? Um, no, a few friends have as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. That's okay. As I said, don't, I don't recommend it. Maybe it is some kind of craving because if you don't eat enough salt and you're running and sweating, you can get cramps and, you know, in your legs. Not too sure. I'll, I'll run with that. <laughs> Maybe we need to get you a salt lick or something. And I did have that joke, one of the um, horses' salt licks to, to take home and actually put it on the wall. 
wouldn't be weird at all, would it? Not at all. <laughs> Why are you licking the wall? Um, it's just a habit. It's a habit. <laughs> Actually, with the OCD, though, I know a lot of vet nurses who are a bit OCD and tidy and clean. And yeah, yeah so I don't know if it's a chicken or egg kind of scenario. Not too sure. I know that I've always had tendencies to overcheck things from, yes. a, from a small child. Yes. But I have to admit, when I was nursing and I was particularly stressed or busy, it mm. would be it would be worse. Yeah. So I would check the the clinic door was locked. Yeah. Over and over again, yeah. I'd think about it on the way home. Yes. Um. To, you know, I can't have anything like towels on the floor or anything like that when I was in yeah. clinic. They all had to be away and folded. Yeah. Um. Everything had to be just so. Yes. Um, and it got worse the the more stressed I became. Yeah. I used to check the door when Matt and I would leave again and again, and I would make him check. And yes. we'd be in the car halfway out of the car park, and I'd be like, did you lock the door? Did I lock the door? Exactly. What if my memory of locking the door is from all the other times I locked the door? And I've driven in to check, and I know one of our other nurses as well, she would go back and check, or she yes. would think, did she do it? And we'd I be think checking it's really PowerPoints and switches. And, and infusion pumps, checking oh. that they haven't enough um, hours set on them yes. for the for the night. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wonder problem. if it's a stress thing, like, or, you know, just the beginnings of that burnout or that. You Definitely. Know, yeah. I know that I um, double checked myself with everything mm. and, and used to overanalyze conversations and everything when oh. I got particularly stressed and burnt out. What, like paranoia or? Yeah, just, no, just think about conversations when I was, oh. if I was discharging a patient and oh. then I would discharge the patient and then on the way home, I would try and relive the conversation that I had to make sure I didn't miss anything wow. that was really important. Wow. Yes. So very busy mind. Yeah. And yeah, I, I know that when we first opened and myself and this other nurse, we were both sort of having these tendencies to double check. We would also both be texting each other at like 10 o'clock at night of, hey, I just thought of this. Maybe we should do that. And we just couldn't put it down or we'd get to work at you know, seven thirty eight the next morning and be like, I woke up at 2am and had this great idea of what we should do with the EB collars. And yes, yeah, definitely. That's exactly it. I think the worst case I ever had was we had, we got a new endoscope at, at the clinic and it was a really expensive endoscope and we were very excited to use it. So we used it. Um, and I went home that day, I fell asleep on the couch and I didn't quite wake up, but I was talking in my sleep about cleaning the endoscope. <laughs> And my partner had to say, yes, I'll clean the endoscope for yeah. me to actually be at peace with the issue. Yeah, I've seen Matt be like that too. Like before we had really good um, paralysis tick preventatives and tick season was just this horror of patient yes. after patient after patient. And we spent half our days searching for ticks and pulling ticks off. And I've seen him asleep on the couch just going, they're everywhere. I can't find them. There's yes. more. And me having to say, it's fine. I'll, I'll do a tick search now and, you know, you take a load off and I've got, exactly I've got the patient now, it's it fine. Went. Yes. Yeah. And then it happened over the new Idex Catalyst machine as well. So <laughs> I obviously took it home with me. <laughs> it's not good. No, I just didn't have the ability to switch off. No. Um, because I was constantly thinking mm. about the hospital, who was on which shift, which animals were in, yeah. um, whether the handover was adequate, mm -hmm. which vets were on late. It just, it just never stopped. Yeah, I find that difficult as well mm. Mm. that's 
where wine comes in. Yes, a glass of red wine is recommended because once you have a glass of red wine, you cannot drive back to the clinic. That's right. So it's a physical barrier. Yeah, and I had to do lots of physical things too. Like I'm going to have a hot shower and I'm going to burn some incense and I'm going to have a glass of wine and I'm going to just draw a line. And, you know, you really have to almost slap yourself and yes. be like, stop thinking about work now. Yeah, and at social events, if the topic came up of people's animals or anything like oh, that, yeah. I'd then fall straight back into um work mind Mm. so then trying to remind myself to switch off yeah and be normal yeah (laughs) when you say they were doing this did you happen to know if their um heart rate was going up at the same time or what was the color of their gums Yes. Well, how big was the wound? How many sutures did they put in? Yeah. Oh, did they put the dog on fluids? When did he last defecate? Interesting. <laughs> yes. What did it look like? Yeah. Have you got photos? Great. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, it's a curse, isn't it? And then sometimes as well, sometimes Matt's like, don't tell anyone what we do because, you know, sometimes it comes from the other direction. You've got Hugely. people that you're meeting wanting to tell you everything about their pet and you're like, I just can't talk about anyone's pets today. <laughs> that definitely happened. And to the point where my face would say it before any words mm. came out, I just, um, I, it, I was just overwhelmed with it. Yeah. So, um, and I remember that I made one mistake of wearing my bad, my vet nursing badge to a dog park, yeah. which was horrific. Horrific. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so do not, I don't recommend doing that. No. And it gives me now... I stop myself now when I meet someone socially and they're a doctor or a dentist and I want to say, oh, my son just got a tooth. Can I use toothpaste? What if he swallows it? Blah, 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 blah. And now I go, no, this person is not at work. We've had a you know conversation that's led me to know what they do for their job, but they're not at work. So stop. Yes, I do the same now. I'm very appreciative of people's personal time. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to turn off and not be your occupation every now and again exactly you have an identity other than your occupation yeah now this may be a little bit of a different question for for you I guess because you're doing I mean I don't even really know a lot of what you're doing I guess aside from you know traveling around and and meeting clinics so this might enlighten me what's a purchase made by you or your employer that's positively impacted your vet nurse life in recent memory um, so obviously a little bit different being a rep, mm-hmm. um, and Dermcare are fantastic. They always make sure we have everything that we need, mm-hmm. but recently, I sound very spoiled right now, um, they purchased, um, RAV4s for us reps to oh, drive. Oh, wow. Yeah, which literally I have never driven a brand new car before. Wow. I was petrified, mm-hmm. but it's made a huge difference, I guess, not specifically to vet nurse life, mm-hmm. but to how I feel on the road and mm. safety and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's very different from helping vet nurse life, but it's helped me do my job better. So nice um, of them. Yeah, they're a fantastic company and mm-hmm. they looked into it and it looked like that car was the safest car for us on the road. Yeah. And because we're driving a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that's why we got the RAV4s, which oh. it's nice to know your company wants you to be safe yeah. and, and feel safe. Yeah. So that made a huge difference. And does that mean that you don't need to have your own car yes. personally, which makes a big financial difference too, if you're paying a car off or yeah, paying exactly. for fuel and yeah. So we do, um, we, the cars are mainly for work, but we can use them for personal work as well yeah. i'm sorry personal <laughs> use as well not work paging dr freud <laughs> <laughs> um, but when i think about my vet nurse life um purchases that my boss had made um a big one and it sounds very small is that we got a radio yeah um and it just literally made everyone a lot happier mm. it changed the mood in the clinic 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I even think the animals enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, sometimes I'd even leave it on overnight for them. Yes. So a small thing like a radio because mm. it's something external um, and, you know, everyone can draw on different stories about their lives from songs that are coming on. Yes. So you learn so much about your colleagues as well. Um, and and also training. So mm. um, if you're, you know, my boss would purchase training for us or get someone to come in-house and do training with us. Mm-hmm. That made a big difference when I was a vet nurse. Mm. What sort of training were they coming um, in doing? So we had, one I can remember was we had a specialist come in and show us how to bandage orth- orthopedic patients, yeah. um, which just empowered us. Um, yeah. So we wanted to do more bandaging. Yeah, and it's such a good investment for employers as well because, I mean, it's hard to, to find that one-on-one time to teach all of your nurses individually to do like bandaging, for example. But then once they can do it, you can start getting them to do the, the follow-up appointments yes. or, you know, getting them to put the bandage on after the cruise shit or whatever it is. And so it just, it pays itself off immediately. I, I completely agree. As, mm-hmm. as soon as we'd done this training, um, we were doing all the bandages um, post TTAs and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it really empowered everybody. And mm-hmm. we wanted to know more about bandaging and what the advantages were of it and how it worked and mm-hmm. why we were bandaging a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it just meant that everyone um, everyone wanted to do bandaging and yeah. do it correctly. Yeah. So it made a big difference for our team. And it, there are, there's so much more that vet nurses can be doing in so many clinics. Like they can be doing all of the catheters and intubating and bandages and the, like the complex bandages too. And yes. But it really does require proper um, training because especially with bandaging I mean things can go so wrong yes definitely so. and I think um, it just optimizes efficiency so mm. then your vets can do more consults yes your nurses are, are doing things that they enjoy doing it empowers yeah. them yeah they enjoy their job more yeah um, and then yeah the vets can do more consults they yeah. can do more surgeries mm-hmm. um, it's just getting that trust between vets and nurses mm. and knowing what everyone's capable of and I think vets have a tendency in their personalities too to be that way that we discussed earlier yes. of like but if I don't do it it won't be exactly right and I fully understand because it's their reputation if if the patient goes home and the bandage comes off or you know or it's too tight problems. or there's you know any pressure issues then yeah sure it, it's it's on them but as you said you have to build up that trust with them and yes have you know repeated good outcomes and good training and yeah, we definitely, um, in the hospital that I worked in, we really encouraged our nurses to be skilled yes. in all of those aspects. Yeah. Um, and then essentially just spending time with them, seeing yeah. that they were capable of doing it and that mm-hmm. they actually understood what they were doing mm. and what that was doing to the animal. Mm-hmm. And just having that understanding so you then appreciate what you're doing and, yeah. you know, what is what could go wrong, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And and then, you know, as, as long as there's that healthy understanding, then nurses are able to do these complex tasks or say, could you just check this because I'm yes. n- not fully confident with this one. Yeah, mm. definitely. And castrating cats as well. Like there's mm. the, the list just goes on and on of these things that, as you say, just with a little bit of extra time from the vet, the vet nurse can have, you know, more challenges and more rewarding experiences. And Yeah, and mm. I think with that, um, we'd have nurses staying in the industry for longer Yeah, because they would feel more challenged in their role. Yes. Um, and there's somewhere for the t- them to p- progress to. Yes. So they could – they could look to to have more skills and yeah. have more challenges in their day. Yeah, that's right. And not just be like, well, this is as far as I can progress. I can't do anymore. And then employers would be able to hang on to these nurses too. There'd be less temptation to yes. work and then, elsewhere. And-, and then, you know, your clients would know your employees. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have high staff turnover mm-hmm. and you'd have a really skilled team that enjoy yeah. their job. Yeah, that's right. Of our fully qualified nurses, Matt, 
although it takes a bit longer, he'll let them put the catheters in, intubate, castrate the That's cats. Great. I think it's just putting in the time um, mm. to train them, mm. which always seems short in a vet clinic. You know, you yeah. always feel like you hit the ground running or yeah. there's something else coming in. But I think it is really putting value to the time that you invest in your staff Yes, to then be a bigger asset to your team. Yes. Yeah, training is an excellent investment. It is. And I'm really glad that you said that about the RAV4 because that's what I drive. It's beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's not new. Um, tell me about a time when you were able to turn defeat into victory. This could be in a personal or a professional capacity. So, big question. Um, I guess when I think about my biggest defeat and then for a victory to follow it is from when I was in England um, and I was vet nursing and my personal life wasn't going to plan at all um, and I was losing interest in basically everything that I've always loved. Um, and I decided to make a change, which was pretty wild. I was 22 and I got on a plane to Australia and I decided to look at things in a fresh way and I have never enjoyed vet nursing as much as I did when I came over. I just threw myself into it. I had to learn about ticks, toads, snakes. <laughs> we don't have these things in the UK. Yeah. Um, so I'd say it was a partial defeat in the UK. And then I turned it around into a victory by coming to Australia and re-challenging myself. That's amazing. How many years had you been nursing in the UK before coming over? About five years. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was almost like a fresh start. And yes, it, re it really was. I came over thinking, you know, this nursing, I've got down pat. And then I arrived in the clinic and we had a toad um, case. And I, I literally was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Please help me quickly. <laughs> and just even different drugs that, um, that we use in Australia. Um, for instance, methadone. Mm -hmm. I'd never used methadone when I was nursing in the UK. Did I not use it? No, we didn't stock it at the clinic oh. that I was at. Um, I'm not too sure why, um, but we didn't. So it was getting used to um, administering different drugs and then yeah. what to expect from them. Mm -hmm. You know, I gave methadone and ACP on my first day as a pre-med and the dog started panting and I was panicking. Mm. You know, mm. I didn't, didn't know that that was something yeah. to expect. Yeah. So. And you're wondering, wondering why everyone else is just walking past yes. that page going, yes, I was panicking. Yeah. And so, um, it really gave me a new challenge to, to learn the drugs over here and the conditions and just yeah. what you see more of. And did you think you were moving here for good or just on a holiday? Um, just on a holiday to begin yeah. with. So yeah. I just needed to get away from England and I was like, where's the furthest place I can go? And so Australia came up. What about that Neighbours show? That looks good. <laughs> yeah, look, loved Neighbours. <laughs> Guilty pleasure, right? It's fine in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely my biggest victory was yeah. um, getting my head down, getting through being homesick, learning mm. new things and yeah. just challenging myself. Such a long way away and such a different culture. <laughs> yes, I had no idea what people were saying about yeah. snags and all yeah. of these short phrases. I yeah. just smiled and said, sure. Yes, and culture shock can almost be harder, I think, when you're in a country where things look similar and people look similar and you don't get um, treated you know, in a special or different way because people can't see, oh, you're obviously from somewhere where things yes. are totally different. You know, you don't get concessions, I guess, and you're just standing there going, what? And what then, is and a then snag? I would open my mouth and say yogurt <laughs> and they would just laugh at me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it was – it was. I wouldn't say a difficult time, a challenging time, yeah. just to be at peace with it and um, enjoy it. Yes. And how soon into coming here did you meet your partner? Um, so I met my partner probably within six months yeah, okay. of um, moving here, which yeah. was crazy. It wasn't yeah. on in the plans at all. Yeah. 
Um, but yes, I met him within six months and he's from New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. So, and was he here permanently or traveling? No, or? he wasn't too sure either. Yeah, so cool. Isn't we, that crazy? It is. Yeah. yeah. And then sort of eight, nine years later, we're still here. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a victory. It is. Yes. Yeah. And I think that this is probably a good time for us to take a break. What do you think? Sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from the Animal Industries Resource Centre, AIRC. We have an amazing team at ReadyVet and two of my super nurses, Kate and Giselle, are AIRC graduates and they're brilliant. My newest trainee nurse is an AIRC student too, so that makes three. They tell me they chose AIRC for its industry reputation and all rave about the support, phone calls, practical learning and assessments and how the course structure and deadlines help with motivation and staying on track. So, thank you Animal Industries Resource Centre for supporting both Radio Vet Nurse and my team. That's all. Carry on. Okay, so welcome back, Sarah, and I'm going to just jump right in with another question for you. What advice would you give to someone about to enter the world of vet nursing? So, first off, um, I would say do some work experience in a vet clinic so you understand exactly what the job entails. Um, some people have an idea that it's just patting kittens and puppies, mm-hmm. um, and that really isn't the case at all. So um, throw yourself into some work experience um, a couple of weeks and just make sure that it is exactly what you thought it was. Yeah. Um, second bit of advice would be once you're ready to be a vet nurse, make sure you pick the right practice for you. Um, so make sure that that clinic shares your goals um, and you're all on the same page as to what what you want to achieve. So mainly if you're passionate about um, neonatal care or something like that, that that clinic's going to allow you to explore that option um, and things like that. Definitely. Absolutely. And if you're wanting to, to do, you know, largies and equine, make sure yes. you're not somewhere doing totally, you know, all smallies. And when the jobs are can be scarce, I mean, it can be tempting just to jump you know, right into the first role. But you're saying, no, just hold off until you get your fit. Yeah, I, mm. I think so, because that can determine your whole career, mm. how long you'll stay in your job for mm. um, and how much you enjoy it. Mm. Um, and it's really important to enjoy your job because you spend the majority of your time there. Yes. Um, and vet nursing can be challenging on a daily basis. Yes. You know, you see different cases and you can see cruelty cases, which really does break your heart. Mm. And then, you know, you have a puppy consult. So it's mm. it's a real roller coaster. So you want to make sure you're in a supportive environment mm. that shares the same goals as you. Yeah. So I think that would help a lot isn't that really hard like transitioning from being out in the hospital potentially with an owner that is coming to see their dog or the cat that might be suffering from some really like critical condition like snake envenomation or tick toxicity or something and you're with them and you're chatting about prognosis and they're maybe saying what might be a last goodbye and then you go out to help in the puppy consult and you just have to like flick a switch and be yes. like isn't he cute yeah it, it is challenging and it it sort of takes a while to get yourself used to being able to do that mm. um, because you you want to allow yourself to feel the emotions you don't want to mm. become numb to it so you obviously want to show compassion to that owner with that um, chronically ill patient that might not survive um, but then you have to try and think the next person you're going to see has a puppy and they're very excited and you know that they need that enthusiasm as well so yeah it is very difficult to um stay mentally well sometimes on Mm. some big days that throw different things at you yeah absolutely and I'm kind of really glad that that I was able to to join Matt in working in this profession because until I was vet nursing I didn't really know 
what was happening for him at work. And so now I understand that there are some days that I shouldn't go into like, what's this doing on the floor again? Or, you know, there are just those days that you need to, if your partner doesn't work in this industry, then you need to communicate to people around you. Like take it easy on me today because I've had a big day. I'm delicate today. Yes. Um, Give me some time out Mm. for sure. And I guess when I – when I have been in clinics and I've done out of hours, I've actually taken my partner with me okay. um, into the clinic. I'm not sure if you can do that in every scenario, mm. but for him to actually see what I'm doing mm. um, and see how much I care mm. um, so he can understand when I come home and I'm not yeah. talkative or, yeah. you know, I'm a bit grumpy or I've been crying, you know. So he sees um, that I'm not completely crazy. Mm. Um, there's a reason that I'm behaving that way. It is important, hey? Yes, mm. really important. Mm. Um, what advice would you give to a student vet nurse struggling with their studies? So it's always difficult to balance nursing and studying because Mm -hmm. nursing is a really full on job. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're not necessarily a nine to five, you know, you, if something gets hit by a car, it needs to be treated. You need to be there treating that animal. So sometimes it is hard to find your study time. But what I would say is make sure that you have open communication with your employer Um, speak to the institution that you're studying through um, regarding deadlines if you're struggling. Um, Don't try and be a hero and try and cram it all in. Um, You'll just literally cause yourself to have a breakdown because you won't have any energy and you won't be applying yourself where you should be in your study. So, And the other key tip, which I used to tell myself, is that study isn't forever. Mm. Um, You do need to be dedicated and you need to be determined and it is going to be hard to balance time and have time for yourself to do all the things you might have done before. But if you really want to be a vet nurse and that's your goal, commit yourself to it. Do make sure, as I said before, that you do have some time, but it's it's going to be a hard slog. That's it. And be aware and know that it's not forever. Mm. You just have to knuckle down. And yes. I remember during study, you'd, you'd watch someone reading like a non study book on a plane or like in a park and you'd be like damn you yes you can just guilt-free read anything you have a life <laughs> yes exactly whereas you're sitting there with your um textbooks yes yeah. or, or or your guilt yeah or the guilt netflix and guilt <sighs> yes and just um try if you as well what i used to do is actually have a timetable so mm. on weekends when you know you're not working and you have that time um, have some downtime for you, but have scheduled study time as well. Mm. Um, and make sure you stick to it and then reward yourself. Yes. You know, chocolates, wine, whatever works. Yes. Just know that at the end of that study time, you're going to have a, a little treat. Yes. I'm, I'm big into the donkey and the carrot. That's the only <laughs> way I get anything done. Wine's normally red wine. Yes. So. Yes. My, wine, wine's excellent for you know, rewarding yourself. Um, and and. I'm also a, a big believer too in scheduling things in and treating study almost like you would a work shift. Like, yeah. nope, I have to show up. I got to show up and I got to focus for this many hours and then I'm having a wine. Woo. Definitely. And even have like a separate area in the house if you can or take mm. yourself away from any distractions that you know come up. Yeah. And there really is no such thing as multitasking with study. Like, no. You, like, I would sometimes put the laptop on my lap and be watching the block or something and then be like, this is no good. <laughs> exactly. And I think as well, you know, you need to be enthusiastic to study, mm. which is hard. And I completely get it. Mm. It's not the thing you want to do in your free time, but you've got to think about the end goal. Yes. And just be enthusiastic. Throw yourself into situations in the workplace mm. where you know you might benefit from that scenario. Yeah. Um, because you're just going to be a better vet nurse in the long run. Yeah. 
That's so. it. And it's about being aware of what units you're doing at the time and saying to everyone, hey, I'm doing clean path at the moment. So yep. if anything cool comes up or if you're, you know, doing a smear and having a look in like a stinky ear case, like I'd love to be brought yeah. in and exactly. look in the microscope and be involved. Definitely. And I think, you know, long term, you're going to enjoy your job more if you know why you're doing your job. You yes. know? And, and I think what we all need to come back to is, you know, we all fall into playing the victim. Poor me, I've got to study and work. Mm. But it is our choice. Mm. You know, we choose to be in this industry because it's rewarding. It's amazing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you get to spend time with people that share the same passion as you. Mm-hmm. But it is your choice to study. Yeah. So commit yourself to it, get it done. Yeah. And look around at other people and think, well, they did it and they did it and they did it. Like we all have to do We've it. We've all survived yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> you come out the other side. A little mad, but you know, you're fine. We're, we're all a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. We all just keep smiling. <laughs> it is. It's fine. And are there any bad or old recommendations that you hear as a vet nurse? And this might be from colleagues or from clients. Um, do, you, do you hear any of these bad recommendations you think should be replaced with more modern information or more useful information? Um, I guess the only one I used to get, which was many years ago, because I'm quite old now, um, was no, old, you're not. <laughs> I really am. It's, it's terrible. Um, was from one of the older vets that I worked with. He used to say, um, don't ask why, Sarah, just get it done. Oh. And um, mm. and I'm not very good at not asking why. Mm. So um, my advice is definitely don't listen to that. Mm. Ask why. Obviously pick the right moment. Mm. Um, if there's a particularly bad moment where something's, you know, needing critical care or immediate Mm. attention perhaps not ask why then Mm -hmm. but always go back and say hey I'm just wondering why did we do that yeah um because you'll learn yes you know and you'll see different things from different vets and they'll have different um reasons why they're doing things yeah um and it just makes you um an all-rounder really yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so always ask why um and I can't really think of too many others to be honest Mm -hmm. well that's good sorry you're (laughs) obviously working with excellent people and yeah yeah yeah, I've been very lucky yeah but yeah usually you hear people say no there's no such thing as a stupid question or yeah bring it on so I I can understand if you're being shut down like what do you mean don't ask and just get it done like and I guess when you're younger um for me because I went into the industry when I was 17 yeah um I was very easily um thrown off so Mm. I didn't have much confidence so when somebody said to me don't ask why just get it done yeah the temptation was to just get it done yeah yeah but I then I didn't realize why I was doing it no and then you can't you can't work independently and you can't exercise judgment against um, criteria because you don't know when to stray from that you don't know when to say this is the norm this is the norm this is the norm therefore I'll do you know somewhere in between perform technique x but then you don't know oh hang on this is not the norm so Mm. I won't do technique x if someone's not told you this is why we do this then you can't actually Mm. apply discretion to know when you shouldn't do that exactly and I guess just learning from people when you ask them why they're doing something it just Mm. you're more aware of what could go wrong what you should do if that was to happen Mm. um, and what's within your realms of capabilities with those things yes so yes always ask why at the appropriate time at the appropriate time that's a that's an important stipulation (laughs) yes and in the appropriate tone as well like the way you said it is great because you don't want the vet to feel like they're being asked to justify a decision you want to make sure it's clear that you're saying you know, just wanting I'm to I'm just know, really wanting to yeah, know why, yeah, why are we so doing I can this? learn. Mm. And I think it's just always being respectful of the vet, you mm. know, ultimately. 
um, what they say goes. And that's mm. for a very good reason. They've mm-hmm. done a lot of training, mm. a lot of hard graft to mm. get where they are. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they need, they, well, they demand respect in my view, not yeah. necessarily from themselves, but just as being a vet, I, I automatically yeah. respect them and what they say goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's for the benefit of the vet too, because if, if they say, well, we do this because of this reason, then, then next time, you know, that there's a patient coming through with that need, then you're already off and setting up you know, yep. for that. And they come out and you're like, yeah, I've got the ultrasound machine out. I've got, Definitely. you know, catheter. Because I know whatever. this is our system this drug. that we have. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, exactly. oh, okay. And you're likely to remember if you know why. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In what ways do you look after your mental well-being and prevent compassion fatigue? So um, mainly what I've learned since leaving nursing full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, um, I do do a little bit of meditation when I can slow myself down yeah. and calm down mm-hmm. um, just to clear my mind and get some clarity of thought. That really helps me. Yeah. Um, exercise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also do go to acupuncture, which mm. has made a huge difference for me. How regularly do you go to acupuncture? Just once a month. And do you go, you know, saying to them, I just want something to ground me and make me feel. Yeah. Yes. So normally um, I'm really lucky I have a great therapist and she'll she'll say you need calming down again. Mm. So. What part of the body are they sticking pins into <laughs> to calm you down? Um, into my head, which yeah. is and my ears. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I'm, it could be a placebo effect, but I think it truly helps me. But yeah. mainly because I have downtime when I'm there. Yeah. So I have half an hour of a heat lamp yeah. on me and needles in me, which sounds absolutely bizarre. Yeah. But it just brings me to a complete halt because so. you can't move because then it feels funny when those <laughs> yes. little needles go off the meridian yes. or whatever it and is that things they're on. cramp yes. <laughs> so, so yeah. yes you're forced to stop which is yeah. really helpful because mm. i am quite a hyperactive and yes. highly strong individual yes so being you. made to stop is good and when someone else is in control going okay i'm in charge now like lie down here yes. i'm sticking pins in your head <laughs> i'm like ah oh, finally and, and eventually you do run out of thoughts i mean yeah. i i lay there and i try and think of nothing but i'm thinking about what i'm making for dinner um, yeah. what time I'm getting up the next day, yes. what's on to work. Yes. Um, but it's it then eventually you just calm down. So naughty, isn't it? I used to lie in Shavasana after yoga and I'd be like, <laughs> think nothing, think, oh, stuff it. What am I going to make for dinner and what are we doing tomorrow? And blah, 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 blah. blah. Well, I think about a dog I'd seen walking down the street limping and I was like, that's definitely a luxating patella. It's a small dog. And Is that right? Yeah. Hand limb or left hind limb? Yeah. <laughs> they should take it to a vet. Do I, I don't know where they live, but I could stalk them. Yeah, literally my mind is wild. I could jump the fence and stick some meloxicam in its mouth while they're asleep it'll exactly. make it feel good for or find out where they got that dog from because it's only young so i wonder if it's litimates have all got lux eating patellas i should really put something on facebook warning people yes um yeah 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 big ones park run with that oh, no. park run and dogs being ran in the heat yeah of the day yeah sorry yeah. just another tangent i've gone off on you're running around with wet towels just <laughs> chucking them on them i just get really angry and i have to um, turn away and check myself yeah because particularly when people are running um, brachycephalic dogs in yeah. the summer at 7 a.m., it's, yeah. you know, five kilometers is a long way. Yeah. And the dog's turning blue. And yeah. Don't do it, people. Not a good combination. Don't do it. No, they see ragey Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> the alter ego. <laughs> yes. Just running around with a big water gun. <laughs> Shooting the owners. <laughs> Sorry. And when you do meditation, what form of meditation are you practicing? So I'm still into, well, I'm literally just starting off in meditation. So mainly yeah. I'm using um, the Calm app yeah. and the Mindset app where it just mm-hmm. concentrates on breathing yeah, okay. at this stage. So yeah. I haven't um, haven't got further with it yet. Yeah. 
yeah. And I mean, I come back to meditation every now and again, and it's hard with Elijah, but it's it's a it's called a discipline for a reason. Mm, it's hard. It really is hard. Yes. Yeah. I'm still learning how to do it. Yeah. I think I last five minutes and then my, I'm like, well, I need to do this and i got to get yeah. this done and go mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. It's just allowing yourself that time. But um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely in the learning process. Yeah. And I've heard uh, one of my yoga teachers took a meditation. I took a meditation course with her and she would describe the mind as like a puppy that's sort of running away and you've got to pull it back or like yes. an elephant walking through a market stall and grabbing you know peanuts with its trunk and whatever and you've got to like collecting pull it, it back up. and yes. you know you've got to you know you get... need to empty the bucket yeah <laughs> get rid of all those bad thoughts and yeah. frustrations yeah yes. and she would sort of get me to visualize that and I just my puppy would be running running away constantly I just thought as soon as you said that I thought of one of those extendable leads that yes. you trip over <laughs> that's my that's me <laughs> yes me too yeah, yeah. so I was like that's, when is when is the puppy ever just sitting in analogy. your lap yeah. mm, mm. but it's really hard to do but I think probably for people who find it the hardest it's probably the most important thing yes definitely to to do it's um it's definitely um giving me benefits but yeah I can only imagine as I go on with it learning Mm. more and more techniques um, the more benefit I'll see from it are you learning from your app or from your partner from my app I'm I'm not very good at taking directions from my partner I know (laughs) or really anyone else I try yeah but um particularly my partner yes Mm. I want to do it on my own. <laughs> I know what you mean. Sometimes if Matt would explain things to me at work, you know, you're not showing me properly. Yes. Like you can really play up when it's your partner. Exactly. I it's, can be a bit of a brat. <laughs> yeah. I remember Matt trying to teach me to put catheters in. I'd be like, you're not rolling the vein properly. It's you. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine uh, me and my partner in working together in a vet yeah. clinic. I think I would kill him, the poor yeah. thing. <laughs> better to be honest right we've had some moments we've had some moments yeah and I think when I would be trying to restrain patients for him and helping and he'd be like um can you do it so my face isn't going to get ripped off and I'd be like I can't because you're standing on the wrong side and you're in my way I guess you don't have that filter when you're in a relationship working no whereas if I was helping someone else I can be very professional (laughs) most of the time I can (laughs) but yes it would definitely um all go out the window if um, my partner was in clinic with me full time yeah I'll have to check out those apps that you've mentioned because I think really there's no excuse nowadays when it is so possible just to get the app and stick your headphones in and take five minutes and yes yeah makes it a lot easier I think so meditation uh, that old chestnut (laughs) (laughs) one day I'll get it yeah me too and if you ever feel overwhelmed about life or work what do you do Normally I call my mum. Yes. <laughs> um, she's all the way in England um, and have a debrief with her and realise that things really aren't as bad mm. as I built them up to be in my yep. mind. Yep. Um, I'd usually head off to the stables and brush the ponies. Yeah. That just is my time where I can just um, unwind and mm-hmm. not be anywhere else in my mind yep. um, or go for a run. But sometimes running can um, do the opposite effect. Um, and you can push yourself too hard mm-hmm. and then and then critique your running. So it just all <laughs> carries on sometimes. But generally, I'll make sure that I take myself away from what's causing it and try and break it down, um, even write it down to see that it's not as big as I've made it in my mind. So it sounds like you're a really practical person, like <laughs> physically, you know, get some of that energy out. Yes, because and... I, I do um, get quite anxious sometimes and I feel sometimes like I'm a spring that's just wound up mm. um, and there's all this energy and mm-hmm. I, I've got nowhere to put it. So mm. if I go for a run, sometimes it will exhaust me. So yeah. I have a sleep um, <laughs> or I can just think things through and, 
and um, be more logical about them yeah. and then tackle them um, and in an appropriate way yeah. rather than entering into things where I'm already stressed out mm. and I'm going to behave or speak inappropriately yes. um, so I can talk myself down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, Sarah, back down. Back down. <laughs> yeah. It's not so bad. Be calm. <laughs> Count to 50, if not 100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And it's sometimes too that writing it down, it's – it's a good way to solve the problem, but sometimes I feel like you can wind yourself up more to be almost like formulating this military strategy and like reporting back to people who have since yes. dropped it. And you're like, I've been thinking about this. And we're going to do this and that and the other, and that'll be fine. And they're like, oh, we forgot about that issue. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I do have to actually explain. Um, so usually it's people that know me fairly well. So yeah. I'll say to them, I just need to revisit this moment that would have meant nothing to you but I'm feeling really on edge about it. And yeah. people that know me very well are fine with it. They know yeah. that I need to talk it through. Yeah. Um, but to people that don't know me as well, sometimes I just say, look, I know I seem really crazy, but this really <laughs> worried me or I was concerned because I found that now sometimes actually just having a conversation mm. to debrief, mm-hmm. it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, anything confronting to me, I will avoid at all costs. Mm. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that those problems just keep coming up. Yeah. So it's it's learning how to communicate and not seem too crazy um, and work through them with that person if it's involving another person. Can I just tell you, you come off like really together and not at all crazy and really? anxious and it's only been in chatting to you today. That I That's think fantastic. That, yeah. And I can really identify with a lot of what you're saying, like being anxious and being the sprung coil and being like, yes. God, I hope no one notices that. <laughs> I'm counting backwards from 50. You all now know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm a very hyperactive person and I have a very busy mind. Yes. So I create things that aren't even there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's it's something I've learned to love about myself, but I also know that sometimes I'm not very present because I'm constantly thinking about what Mm. has happened or what could happen. Yeah. And I think what you've touched on there is so critical. We've all got these aspects of our personality and we can use them for good or we can use them for evil and it's just yes. about channeling whatever that <laughs> thing is. Putting it in a good place. Yeah. yeah. And, and understanding it. Yeah. And it can make you a great friend and a great employee and a great ally to all of these practices that you're visiting because you care and you're thinking oh, and, you, you. and you know, you know, you, you genuinely are all in, but yeah, if you let it be, it can also be. <laughs> yeah. There, there probably are a few clinics that are like, yep, Sarah's a little bit crazy because, oh, really? uh, because there's days where, you know, you don't always have everything together. You yeah. Know, those days are going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I like to think that I know my, my clinic's pretty well now. So yeah. Um, it's water off a duck's back. It probably doesn't come off like you don't have it all together. They're probably still like, (laughs) she nailed it. Thank you. (laughs) I hope so. Oh, dear. And what do you think is the main area of our industry that needs attention or improvement? So I guess um, for me being a nurse, um, I think nurse training to a degree Mm. because for me, being from the UK, there was one awarding body um, the Royal Vet College, and we all have to qualify through that institute, mm-hmm. um, vets and nurses. So everybody's at the same standard. We all know what we're capable of. Mm. So if you achieve your MVQ level three in vet nursing, which is the equivalent to your Cert four, um, everybody knows what you're capable of in your job role. Whereas when I came to Australia, um, the difference that I saw was that different people that study with different institutes have different skill sets um, and they're all very, very good at their jobs. Mm. But it was difficult for them because I, being from England, I assumed they could um, scrub for surgical procedures and things like that because that's 
um, something that we have to do to be qualified in the UK. Mm. But but here, um, some of the training institutes, that wasn't um, necessarily something they had to do. Mm. So I felt pretty mean asking them to scrub. And, you know, they looked pretty horrified to say they didn't know how. Mm. Um, and it wasn't that they weren't good nurses. They just hadn't been taught that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it would be um, nurse training and having everybody at a similar standard where they have a skill set and you know that they can perform it. And it's really so it keeps them safe, mm. it keeps the vets safe, and it keeps your patients safe as well. I totally agree because not all nurses are brave enough to say, I don't know how to do that. Exactly. And mm. it's intimidating in a big mm. hospital. You know, yeah. you don't want to seem like you can't do your job. You don't want to, you know, be a burden to anybody. Mm. And so it's really tough. And I think it would be awful to be in that position as a nurse. Mm. You know, you want to do the best job, but you don't want to admit you don't know how to do something. Yeah. Um. So I would really really love to see more thorough training in mm. in all areas and everybody at the same standard yeah so nobody's in that position in clinic yeah I agree with that 100% and I think so many people would rather just give it a crack than say I don't I don't know yes. and it's just so dangerous it is and it, it's dangerous for everybody mm-hmm. um, and I think you know it happens more so in big clinics because mm-hmm. there's all these different egos and mm. different hierarchy and I think it's really really hard as a new nurse to, to say I don't know how to do that because yeah. you don't you know if you've just started a job you want to come across capable and you know you can get your job done yeah so it, it's a it's a really tough scenario and it worries me that some nurses become anxious because of that very thing. Yes. And they don't enjoy their jobs as much. You know, they dread coming in yep. to the clinic because they're worried what they're going to be faced with. Yeah. Um, I can remember when I was training, I was there was lots of girls um, and it was quite bitchy. Mm-hmm. And I was very young. And I remember I used to struggle to hold cats and dogs' heads for intubation. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get the position right. Mm-hmm. But and um, everybody used to critique me, but nobody showed me how. Mm. Um, and I used to just be be like, "Oh, they taught me this at college." Mm. But in truth, I hadn't really been shown. Mm. I was just horrified that I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I used to not want to go into work. Yeah. Or be in a surgical role because of that very thing. Yeah. You know, and I even it sounds crazy, but I even thought about giving up nursing. Yeah. Because of that one thing, you know, yeah. and how it could transpire into other things in clinic. Yeah. So. And I, I think that one of the t- difficult things too is that vets don't learn how to be vet nurses. They learn how to be vets. So often they can't show you either. Like yes. I've struggled to hold cat's heads for things like blood collection from, from the jugular mm. and I would be trying with Matt and he'd be like, go get Nikki or yeah, <laughs> and I'd be just like, go get this person. But just show me how to do yeah. it. And he would be like, but I don't know how to do it. Like, mm. I don't know how she does it. Like watch her one time. I don't know what she's doing. And it's definitely – um. It sounds easier than it is. It's a skill. It's yeah. hard. Cats are yeah. hard work. Yeah. Um, but I think it would just be a lot easier for everyone involved if that training was there yeah. and it was the same level for everybody. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's so varied. And when I locumed, um, it was crazy because to me, I was like, you know, I take bloods, so I put catheters in, mm. this is what I do. Mm. And then going to clinics where I wasn't allowed to pre-med animals. Not allowed you know, to pre-med? No. Mm. And it just seemed crazy to me. But yeah. I, you have to be respectful of you know, of yep. that, that vet. Yes. But if the training was better and we knew that everybody could do those things mm. practically, you know, go and do practical 
um, exams as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems daunting, but yeah. it's definitely worthwhile in the long run. And just, you know, if there's a nice calm cat or a partially sedated cat, they're a lot mm. easier to hold than yeah. a fractious, angry cat. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we should throw new nurses in with angry, fractious cats. Is but... the Fonz good luck? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, the Fonz is a different kettle of fish. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you need to know um, what to look for in those cats and how to handle them. Yeah. And whether you should or shouldn't be handling that cat. Yeah. Because some of them are absolutely wild. Yeah. And you need to be able to watch other nurses. Like some nurses are just cat whisperers and yes. they've got all the different they like, are gold techniques dust. and yeah you've just got to be like everyone come in and watch her <laughs> what are you doing why are you doing it yes oh, those questions i'm not a cat whisperer i enjoy cats a lot yeah i wouldn't claim to be a cat whisperer but yeah. i'm will generally try get most cats out of a kennel even if they're trying to kill me <laughs> but i won't say i'm always successful <laughs> the crush cage does come out <laughs> sometimes yeah. but i enjoy cats yeah i mean i respect cats i just think that they're a little too smart sometimes yes and they can be very jackal and hide yes sometimes less is more but you can't trust them enough quite to do that <laughs> they might try and taste you <laughs> yeah that's right and they can sort of dislocate their body in ways that they can get you and scratch yes. you when you know the whole head and the top of the torso might be facing you or exactly. you know lateral but then their legs can just spin around <laughs> those, 360 um, those big chunky cats where you're trying to grab their scruff but they <laughs> twist their head around and and, is, and attach themselves to your forearm <laughs> that's never fun and once they're once they're attached to you you're in a, a lot of trouble yeah <laughs> just book that doctor's appointment <laughs> yeah that's right and yes. but sometimes you like sh- shaking them off your forearm in front of the client <laughs> yes and you're laughing don't worry they'll let go for a, a second. nervous giggle oh hercules you're hungry today <laughs> <laughs> yes that's happened quite a few times <laughs> or the client says insists that they will hold the cat oh, and that's no. the worst one when you try and go oh look i'm sure it will be fine but our protocol is that yeah. we need to um, just going to get my colleague restrain- yeah. look i've learned the hard way don't allow them to restrain their own cats no way never get them involved <laughs> or the worst is that they get scratched and bitten too you're like you should go to the hospital now yes yeah that's never a good one when you there's should- human blood in the consult room <laughs> <laughs> or on the floor oh cats god love them yes straight yes. to the doctor straight to the antibiotics yes. please one day i'll hoard them when fonzie gets old and is less cranky i'll have more cats <laughs> you'll hoard them <laughs> yes definitely. i like that that's just a little dream that you've got yeah it okay, definitely is them. maybe 10 <laughs> it's healthy right <laughs> totally totally healthy thing to aspire to <laughs> well just to finish up our chat today which i've thoroughly enjoyed my Me face too. is like painful <laughs> <laughs> me, me too thank you so much it's been a real pleasure it has if you could reach out and thank a mentor who has helped you in your career and personal development in the veterinary industry who would it be and what would you say so for me it would be my first head nurse Chrissy. um she's in the uk and um, the reason i would thank her is because she was just such an incredible role model for me um, and she was so supportive as well in clinic So Chrissy is probably one of the most thorough nurses I've ever seen. Um, She does everything um, properly, takes her time, um, talks to the patients, cares. Mm. She's been a nurse for 20 years plus. Um, And just the way she communicates with the team. So she would always um, be calm. She'd have a smile on even when things were terrible. (laughs) You know, so many surgeries you can't keep up. She'd still be smiling and calm. Um, And she would simply say the day will always end. Mm. And it was just quite comforting. Mm. And just learning skills from her. It was always um, of a really high standard. Mm. And she just maintained that throughout the time that I worked with her. So 
she really inspired me to be a better nurse and and be resilient and just you know one terrible day shake it off go in the next day it Mm. can only get better Mm. she sounds like an amazing person to work with she was and it just is that ripple effect isn't it if you've got the person who's leading the team and they're able to maintain positivity yes it can actually you know being in the trenches so to speak can actually be really fun (laughs) by the end of the day you can all be like yay that was chaos and horrific and we made it but it just the tone is set by that person leading the team she, she was just fantastic and she really did care. You know, when I qualified, um, she was tearful and yeah. it just meant so much because it meant so much to her. Yeah. And even to this day, um, when I became head nurse of the hospital, she messaged me individually to, to, to congratulate me and just say she was proud and mm-hmm. she knew I could do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just meant such, such a lot that she didn't need to do that, but she still chose to do that. Yeah. And is it Chrissy? Yeah. Is she still nursing? Yes, she is. Yeah. Chrissy, so, thanks for being Chrissy a legend. Burrell. Yes. Yeah. She was fantastic. We need as many nurses like that as we can get. Indeed, yes. yes. Well, thanks again for joining me, Sarah. And um, yeah, you've been an awesome Radio Vet Nurse guest and I'm sure I'll see you again. For sure. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast. To help us make more free episodes, subscribe and leave a review. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Vet Nurse or drop in at radiovetnurse.com.